one thing I, I absolutely love about our family of churches is how small and unassuming that we are and, and warm that we are. Uh, we have trains passing through in the middle of our service. <clears throat> we have all manner and sorts of, of uh, hijinks and, uh, and foibles. If you guys are looking for some new cool words uh, that you're not, okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> even if you're not, uh, just go ahead and accept it. So, um, yeah, man, I love that about, uh, about, our, about our churches. Um, and I am going to be preaching today about one of the, uh, it's, it's actually the last value, not to say it's the least, but just the last one in our, our sermon series on our, our values as a church, uh, and it's on warm community. Um, you know, I'm reminded of, of Ronnie over in Garland calling the main chapel our, our living room, um, which sounds a lot, um, almost like sacrilegious. It sounds like, wait a second, this is a chapel, this is like a holy place of God. Uh, but he calls it uh, our living room because uh, he conceives of us as being just such a family unit that it kind of feels more like a living room than it feels like some, like, you know, uh, different, sterile kind of uh, uh, religious uh, backdrop. And I hope that, that we can, uh, can figure that out ourselves, too, because uh, I do think that we're building towards that at DNC. Uh, but I want to encourage us today to push all the more uh, towards that as a community. So when we talk about warm community, I, wanna, I want you guys to just visualize something with me real quickly. I want you to visualize uh, like, a, like a house construction site, okay? So it's a new house that's going up, or maybe it's a renovated house that's going up, a house construction site. And there, I want you to, to picture four different kinds of people that are at this site, okay? You've got people that are actively at work, they're running electricity, or they're framing the house out, or they're, you know, cleaning something off, or they're destroying something if it's a part of a renovation, or whatever they're doing. They're just hard at work, right? Like they're building this house, okay? And then I want you to picture three other kinds of less helpful individuals, okay? There's the bystander. So we got the builder, first of all, right? Now you have the bystander. And I'm, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with that, uh, because I have been that myself many times. Have you ever, like, uh, like uh, been asked to go help somewhere, but it's for a trade that's probably way too specific for you to do well. Uh, maybe not. Um, I have. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was recently trying to help in a construction project um, in Oak Cliff, and they were like, hey, all we need you to do is, you know, put the, like, plaster this wall right here. Like, you're going to put the drywall around the windowsill, and, you know, here's how you tape the edges and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, this is going to be really bad like really bad, like if I do this. And I was right. Um, it needed to be redone by someone <laughs> that knew what they were doing when it came to drywall mud, okay? Because that's just not a skill that I possess, right? So the next time I went down, I became the second type of person, the bystander. I was like, how can I be useful? I have a very limited set of skills, such as moving thing A uh, to place a, and that's kind of it. Um, and other than that, just kind of leave me out of it. So you have a bystander, the people that are kind of there on the construction site, but they're not really doing anything. They're just kind of there, but they are there. They are there. And if you look at their hours credit, it says, I was there building a house, okay? The third one is the absentee. This is someone that never showed up. They said they were going to show up, 
by all, for all intents and purposes, they were there. Uh, they, they, they said that they were going to be there, but then they really didn't come. Or if they did come, they would show up for an hour, but they're like, oh, but I got this other thing to do, so I'm going to go do this thing instead, okay? So they would show up, but you can't count on them. They're really absentee as a builder. You don't know when they're going to come, what they're going to end up doing. In fact, they might create more work than actually uh, not being there in the first place because they might show up, do something, not talk to anybody about it, and then we got to figure out what they did. Make sense? And then finally, got someone I'm just going to call the trasher. This is someone that walks around pointing out all the flaws of the building and then destroying it. That's what they do. They're like, this wall stinks, so they kick a hole in it. They're like, make a new wall. <laughs> this outlet is not perfectly positioned. Let's not fix it. Let's bash it. Okay? Hopefully you're beginning to see what I'm pointing out here. There's a parable here in mind. Because as a church, we're actively trying to build something. We're building God's kingdom together with one another, and then hopefully in the city of Denton. And we can be any number of those things at any given time, but I want you today to especially reflect on this in regards to building a warm community. Okay, so I want you to be thinking to yourself, am I builder, bystander, absentee, or trasher? Which one am I doing at any given time? The question I had in mind as I wrote this sermon was, how can DNC build a warmer community? The question was not, DNC is cold and unloving. How do we help them to become warm for once? No, not at all. We have warmth in our community. We have that. I really do sense that. Before church, after church, during church, we love one another. I really sense people caring for each other. Sometimes we can't get each other to shut up. Uh, because of how much we love talking to one another. These are all good things, but my question was, how can we become an even warmer community, one that stands out amidst other communities as being especially warm? One important thing that I'll say, and this is, I think, not a mistake, and I have to point this out, that uh, I was talking to Garvin before. I was like, Garvin, where did you come up with this question for this whole, like, what was it, worship from the heart? heart posture during worship. I mean, it's spot on with what I want to talk about today. It's just a spirit thing. In fact, uh, Josh and Leslie will tell you, um, I wasn't planning on, on preaching this sermon, but I really was praying and, uh, about it, and God just laid on my heart to, that he's like, I want you to preach this sermon. And I was like, I do not, in case you don't know, I, do, I genuinely do not enjoy preaching sermons. If you said, hey, Garrett, what would you rather do on a Sunday morning? Would you preach a sermon in front of everybody, or would you sit and receive a sermon? I'm like, 100% sit and receive, baby. <laughs> How much better is that? I don't have to put myself out there. I don't have to prepare anything. I can be fed. You know what I mean? Who wants to feed rather than be fed? Come on, give me a break. This is easy decisions, guys. Easy decisions. But, and I did ignore it the first time, so I want to make sure that I, I point that out. I was like, nah, that can't be it. Like, that's a weird thing. But then I really sense the Spirit saying, like, no, like, I want you to use what you've seen in these other churches. Because I have had this experience in the last year where I've just been at all of our churches so much, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, stuff with ACC goes down, and they're like, Garrett, will you go? And I'm like, sure. And I've been at Wiley. John asked me when I was a junior in college, he goes, will you help me come plant Wiley Church and lead worship for us? And I was like, John, maybe you've missed something. I do not like to lead worship. He's like, yeah, I just want you to pray about it. And I was like, shoot. <laughs> I knew the answer before I even prayed about it. I was like, stop. Don't give me the whole just pray about it nonsense. So 
So I went to Wiley and I helped John plant this church at Laura and Trey Thomas's house out in Wiley. And then we met in a cheer gym, which is such a Wiley thing to do. <laughs> you guys don't know I'm not in debt to, to cheer. That's not like a, it's not like a, I don't dislike it. I'm just personally not into it. Um, it's kind of, I'm not, that, yeah, anyway. So um, we met in a cheer gym, and then we started meeting in, you know, downtown, and I was, I was able to build that, you know what I mean? I led worship for us for many years, and I took a hiatus for a few years, and then I led for some more years in the previous years, right? And then also I've been involved in Garland. Uh, that's where I started going to church. I've been there. So in the last year, I visited all of our churches numerous times and gotten to be a part of their Sundays and a part of their community, and I know people in these communities. And so in a healthy way, I can kind of compare our community to the rest of our communities. Does that make sense? And Paul does that some in his letters, doesn't he? Whenever he talks to the Corinthians about the, the, the joy of the, the Philippians, when he talks to, uh, to uh, um, uh, is, it, is it the Ephesians or the Philippians? I think it's the, the Philippians and the Corinthians about giving a gift to the church in Jerusalem and describing their need. Paul talks about that, and he compares it in a healthy way. Not in a way that we should feel bad, but rather in a way that we can see, like, this is who we are as a family of churches. Where are we leading and where do we need to, like, step up some, you know? And this is one of those areas around warm community that I think we can grow in and that we can experience even more health here. And I want to start by saying that this is not my first point, but it is the most important, maybe, like, premise, is that warm community emanates from the heart and not the mind, okay? I've sensed in Denton a tendency to intellectualize things. I've sensed that with the city and as well as with our church, a tendency to intellectualize things of the heart. Now, I want to point out, I just got done taking the strengths finder thing, if you guys have taken that whole deal, and my strengths are heavily towards the, the mind. It's the analytical stuff. I'm green. That's the green stuff. That's me, okay? Even though that's not my first strength, that's like the, 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 the most makeup of my top strengths are that. So I have not only no disparaging things to say about the mind there or the intellect. I'm a fan of that. I'm a professor at the University of Texas at Dallas. I wouldn't call myself especially smart. I would just call myself someone that enjoys reading, academics, intellectual conversations, discussions, that kind of stuff. Big fan, huge fan. Okay? Just want to make sure that we're all on the same side. I'm not saying your mind is not useful or good, but rather I will say that warm community emanates from the heart. It doesn't mean the mind's not involved at all. It does need to be involved, especially for those of us that, that kind of lead with it. I'm simply saying that warmth as a community will not emanate from our minds. It has to emanate from our hearts. It has to emanate from our hearts. So I'm going to tell you what a warm community is full of, and I want you to be asking yourself as we go through this today whether you are builder, bystander, absentee, or trasher, okay? Junker, trasher, destroyer, demolisher. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> so number one, a warm community is full of expressive worshipers. Expressive, heartfelt worshipers. This is how see-through I am. Which story from the Bible am I going to choose? Come on. Expressive worshipers. What? I don't know. Come on. You guys know which one. You're just scared to say it. 
David being naked and dancing. You guys knew it. Many of you were like, I, I didn't want to say it, I didn't want to be wrong. In 2 Samuel 6 and following, you have this account of David rejoicing that the Ark of the Covenant is being brought home. So this king, this stately king who's supposed to look like, uh, you know, a well-organized guy. Imagine this for a second. Imagine Joe Biden gleefully jumping up and down like a little child about something. He would be wrecked on the media, right? Or by the media. Wrecked, okay? You'd be like, look at this doofus. And that's exactly what David's ungodly wife said to David. She said, look at how much of a doofus you looked like in front of everyone. And David said something to the effect of, I'm going to look even more like a doofus if it means praising the Lord. It says that he danced with all of his might before the Lord. Again, that's in 2 Samuel 6 if you want to go and read it. He is dancing with all of his might. I don't know what that looks like, but I imagine it's like, you know, the techno Viking guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know exactly how it goes. But it probably, like, at the, at the height of that, that viral video, if, you, if you've never looked up, like, Techno Viking, feel free. Don't do it now. Uh, but put that in your notes. Techno Viking, go look up later. Let's just say it looked like David was excited and happy and joyful about God's presence and about the Ark of the Covenant being returned to his people. David was pumped about this. I've said this before, you probably heard it before, but I'm going to say it again to remind you. The Greek word for worship means proskuneo. It's a word that says as proskuneo, and it's the exact same word of a dog licking its master's hand. Have you seen a dog? Some of you guys like dogs. Have you seen a dog get super excited to see someone? For me, it's my dogs when they see my parents. That's right. Not when they see me. Because they know I'm not interested in that kind of thing. When I see them, I'm like, yep, all right, let's move on. <laughs> I like my dogs. I get it. Once you have children, it comes, it comes a little bit, they become a little bit more in the way than I thought they were going to be. Like knocking my children over and peeing on things and that kind of stuff. But when they see my parents, my, my dog, Addie, she's a Vishla, she makes this guttural, like, ghost moan. Like, it's something like that. I hope that comes through in the recording. <laughs> she is, like, in this state of expectant ecstasy <laughs> to just be pet by my parents. Proskineo. And whenever she sees me, if it, does anyone have any big, dumb dogs that just lick you way too much? Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, yes, way too much just licking your face, and they're just so pumped to see you, and you were gone for 30 minutes. They're like, I am so glad you are back. I love you so much. I gotta lick you. I gotta put my tongue on you because of how much I love you. Is it you? Let me taste. Yes, it is. That is worship. That is worship. I know that sounds crazy, but dogs, man, are they humble or what? Have you ever stepped on a dog and then it apologized to you? That's pretty much what happens. You accidentally step on it, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me that you would step on me. 
That's the humility we need. We have to have this sense of worship for the Lord that is about just an overwhelming joy we experience to get to be in his presence with his people. It's about emptying ourselves of ourselves and pouring out our hearts and our affection to God. Throw away the word love for a second because love is a word in our culture that has just become so hijacked by everything. We love everything. I love that movie. I love this food. I love my spouse. I love, love, love. Just throw that away for a second, okay? When I say love, I mean affection. I mean adoration. I mean, whatever word is just above that. I mean, it's just, oh. And we're going to talk about that in a second, about what the word affection really means. But worship is about giving God his rightful praise, worshiping him as Lord of the cosmos. Many of you know, like I said, that, I, that I've led worship for something like 15 years. I've been involved in all these different churches. And I tell you this not to discourage you, but rather to encourage you. But our worship at DNC is probably the least lively, the least expressive, and the least warm of any of our other churches. I know that stings. I say it to you as a brother who is with you. I'm a part of this church. And that means I'm a part of hopefully creating a solution for that. For our church. I want to show you a video of what you looked like this morning during the song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Okay. Don't put it on loop, please. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, by the way, clapping section was over here. Nobody was willing to get on board with that. And I've noticed that, by the way, clapping in our church is at a premium. Like, I don't know what you got to do to get people to clap, but it's got to slap and be loud and like, like you've got to like if you can get this church to clap, like you have done something miraculous. But we should be a church that is clapping during songs like this. We should be a church that shows something more than that. And if you've hid behind the old excuse, I'm just not expressive. I want to ask you a question. If Jesus showed up in this very moment in all of his glory. And all of the angels and all the saints around the throne were singing at their loudest. Would you still look like that? Or would you say, I'm just not expressive. Jesus, I'm really glad you're back. Angels, this is all quite wonderful. But the way I'm going to choose to worship is kind of like this. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I tell you this because I don't think it makes sense from what I know to be true about you. I don't think that's the heart of this church. Our heart, the heart of this church, you guys do love God. You just need to wake up and show up and bring a heart of worship to God and worship. If you want to be a warm community and someone walks through the door and sees that, what? I'd be like, <laughs> I'm looking for someone that's trying to worship God if I'm looking for a new church. I'm looking for people who want to pour out praise and affection to the Lord. 
But I, I'm saying this to you not to hurt, not to discourage, but to encourage you. I want to put wind in your sails here. I know you to be a loving and kind church. I know that you are passionate for Jesus and for people, especially the marginalized and the afflicted. And I think you may just need a gentle reminder that the way we worship truly matters to God and the church. Are you standing in the job site here? Are you a, are you a bystander here? Or are you building something? with the way that you worship. Let's just get rid of our excuses for that. I know that we can make plenty. Our worship, though, I'll tell you, does not get better. As far as the praise team is concerned, this praise team is awesome. It's not their fault that it's not hype enough. The rest of our churches, I can tell you this from firsthand experience, is not not much better at all. I just want to say, I'm going to make sure, I'm not saying that as a, as a derogatory statement. I'm saying it's not this. It is us. Our worship is the same. Let's be a congregation that leads worship. And in doing so, people will come and feel the warmth of a community that deeply loves to pour out affectionate to a good father. I hope, I hope that was encouraging to you and not discouraging to you. I hope that that is something that can lead you to the next time you show up, to be someone that I don't care what people around you are doing. Sing louder. Do you suck at singing? Sing even louder so that other people will sing loud to cover you up. (laughs) Not looking at anybody particularly. But I remember going to Arlington Central the week after they had lost their pastor And they were meeting in the basement of someone's home in Fort Worth. There was about 30 people in there. And I kid you not, I think they sang much louder than our church does as a whole. I was like shook. They had a person with a guitar unmicrophoned, a person with a guitar and one with a djembe, and they were belting it out. And I was like, this is our DNA. This is our DNA. That's our DNA as a family of churches. We must recapture that. We need to show up ready to sing out, express our love for God, pour out affection on God. And I think we can do that as a community. In fact, I want us to end with that song today, Blessed Be Your Name. And I don't want to do that so that we can just do this one time. When we show up next week, let's be warm in the way we worship, okay? Number two, a warm community is full of affectionate people lovers. I know that's weird. I didn't say affectionate people. I said a warm community is full of affectionate people lovers. People lovers. Say that a lot. People lovers, people lovers, people lovers. John 13, 34 and 35 finds Jesus giving us a new command. John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Listen to this. By this, everyone will recognize that you are my disciples if you love one another. When I say affectionate, because I know I said affectionate people lovers, I don't mean they hug each other and say nice things, although that is good. I'm I'm not saying that you should not do that. But I'm talking about what Paul means whenever he says in Philippians 1, 8, 
that God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And the word that he uses here is one of my favorite Greek words. You should enjoy saying it. It goes like this, splankman. <laughs> Look it up. That is how you pronounce it, splankman. And it actually is the perfect word because I'm going to tell you what it means, splankman. <laughs> it means inward parts. The heart, liver, lungs, etc. This is from Strong's Greek Dictionary. The emotions, the inward parts, the heart, affections, the seat of feelings, the gut-level compassion, visceral feelings, the capacity to feel deep emotions like sympathy, empathy, etc. The gut-level compassion. Splinkman. <laughs> it emanates from the gut this love for people, I love that so much. So when I w say warm community is full of affectionate people lovers, I mean it's a community filled with people's biggest fans, not their critics. Not reviewers, not consumers, not criticizers. It's not dependent on how good people are or what their views are politically or socially. We don't hate people. We can't hate people. Our battle is against the forces of evil and not against flesh and blood, as Paul says. Our society, though, has become full of people haters. Not people lovers, people haters. It's not uncommon to find videos and entire subreddits dedicated to people suck, or I hate people, or people are idiots. There's a subtle lie that some people's personality just includes not liking people very much. When that's not a personality problem, it's a sin problem. If you don't like people very much, you and Satan have a whole lot in common because that's his baseline too. But who we are, <coughs> excuse me, but who we are of Jesus must be people lovers. I saw uh, something the other day that someone sent me via text. People send me things via text if they see things on social media because they know that I'm not on social media. And so they sent me a picture, uh, a series of pictures of uh, illustrations of Jesus washing people's feet. Did you guys see this? And he's washing like, he's washing like, uh, you know, refugees' feet, the Ukrainian refugees. He's, he's washing like Vladimir Putin's feet. He's washing like good people's feet and bad people's feet. He's just washing everybody's feet. It's just Jesus doing a lot of foot washing. That is what it's like. Being affectionate people lovers means that our lives are predicated on grace and grace alone. It means we can deeply love one another amidst our own and others' grievous failures. Listen carefully. How can we become like Christ? Namely, the man, the God-turned-man who is full of affection for us despite our failures. How can we become like Christ without showing deep affection to those around us who are similarly failing? Yes, especially those who have failed us the most. People lovers. People lovers. 1 John 4.20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Being a warm community means that we are affectionate people lovers, full of grace, always assuming the best, assuming the best for people, not assuming the worst. Love always hopes, always trusts, doesn't it? Isn't that what love is? If we can't do that for the people around us, how are we going to do that for the people in the world? 
Forum community is full of affectionate people being people's biggest fans and showing one another inexhaustible grace. Imagine not wanting to be a part of a community like that. That's warm community. And finally, warm community is full of interested and invested people. Warm community is full of interested and invested people. So first of all, warm community, full of what? What's, no, no, sorry, the very first point. Expressive worshipers. Second one. Affectionate people lovers. And then third, interested and invested people. You guys all know where I'm headed. Acts 2, 44 through 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's warm community. That's it right there. It has to start with devotion to one another. And I know how hard that is. I have two children. I have 12 jobs. <laughs> I have friends in the city, and I have friends outside of the city, and I have all these different responsibilities. Trust me, when I say I know it's hard, I know it. It's been a long work week. You've got a choice about whether to show up to your small group, which is sometimes pretty awkward. Or you could stay at home, drink a glass of wine, watch Netflix, maybe chill with your spouse. <laughs> so, why would I go do this? Man, that's hard to say. All I can tell you that is that warm communities are full of committed people. So let me remind you again why we show up to church, why we show up to small group, to lunch with one another, to coffee dates, to funerals, to weddings, to people's lives. It is because we, with Jesus, are building the kingdom of heaven here on earth right now. And that community is not easily built. It must do something differently than the world around it. A community of people who love one another and are seeking to change the world by bringing that community to this broken world. So we create touch points with one another. Text people throughout the week. Ask them what's going on with them. Don't just say you're praying for them. Say, what's up? One of my friends down the street who's not a part of our community, I love this guy. He's an ex-rugby player like professional rugby player. The man is a mountain. And he's the sweetest man in the whole world. I don't have any other friends that do this. If I get a phone call from him, which is often, he just goes, hey, Gary. And I'm like, hey, what's up, John? He's like, nothing, man. I'll just think about you. How you doing? That's it. That's all, all he wants to do is say hi and talk. I know he, he very rarely calls me for a reason other than that, just to call me and to talk to me. And I value that so tremendously. I don't even, I don't have the heart to do that. I hate talking on the phone, but not with John. <laughs> but I want to do that more. I want to like text people more. I want to call them more and just tell them I'm thinking about, and not have anything to talk about, just to be like, what's up? What's going on with you? Man, that's so cool. 
I want to be a community full of inclusive friendships, especially with people who don't look like us. It's about showing up to be with people, even during stuff that seems small. Go to graduations and to small surgeries, and when they're feeling ill, show up. Don't ask them if they need anything. Bring them something. And then say sorry if you don't need it. Use it next time. That's what we need, right? I don't know about you guys, but if I say, let me know if you need anything, I'm kind of banking on the fact that they don't. I'm going to be honest there. If, I'm, if I really evaluate my heart, I want the credit for saying, let me know if you need something. And I don't think I'd be super put out if they really wanted something, but I'm also kind of banking on the fact that 99% of the time, they're not going to ask me for it. No, I'm good, thanks, right? What I should be doing is going to the store, getting them a sweet, thoughtful thing, or something useful, better than that, and then just showing up at the door and saying, I was thinking about you, I love you. Can I say a quick prayer for you? And then leaving. Man, that's what it looks like. That's what warm community looks like. It has to do with just looking after folks. Praise me if you guys want to go ahead and come on up and kind of get ready. Finally, I think that you'll just notice that I kept saying warm communities are full of certain things. I chose that intentionally. If it only is a few people that are doing something, then it's not really full of anything, is it? Right? Water with a little drop of lemon is not lemonade. Does that make sense? We need more lemons, okay? And I want you to, I want to remind you here, as you think through this stuff, if you, as you think through affectionate people lovers, as you think through expressive worshipers, as you think through interested and invested people, are you building, are you bystanding, are you absent, or most of the time absent, or are you demolishing or tearing down, trashing, whatever you want to call it? Think about that because if we can internalize these things as a community, we will grow in our warmth to the nth degree. We will become known as being a warm community full of life. And I want that for us because I know that's what's inside of us. We've got to get it out of us and into the world, though, for it to be true warmth. Warmth, just in terms of your feelings towards people or towards something, is not enough unexpressed. It needs to be expressed. We must put what's in our hearts out into the world. We have to be intentional about that. And we have to be communities, or we have to be a community that's full of this. It has to be all of us. It has to be our mark as a community, not just something a few centralized folks do. I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then we're going to sing a song, and then have uh, announcements right after that, okay? So don't, like, wrap up the whole show, Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to sing a, or sing a prayer for us. <laughs> okay, um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say a prayer for us really quickly. Father, you are good. Uh, I thank you for the hearts of the people in this church. Father, I thank you for uh, making us like family already, God. I pray that you would grow that uh, to the nth degree, Father, that you would help us to become an even warmer community one, one that is full of worship and love and affection uh, and joy and good works, Father, and closeness. I pray that this would become our living room, that we would become closer than family, Father, bonded by your son's blood. Uh, we love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's be standing as we sing. Before we begin, Catherine had a shot, a shot, not a shot. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. A thought. She had a thought to share. Sorry. Go for it. Um, I just feel like the Spirit is putting this on my heart while Garrett was preaching, but... Um, 
yes. I feel that he just exposed a lot of wounds or like weaknesses in my like posture towards God and community. And my immediate response was to feel like, oh, how do I fix this? I should have known this already. And I feel like God immediately addressed that with like the proper response is not shame or like your own strength, but it is repentance and humility. And so um, if you're feeling like like defensive or um, afraid, I think that that's not God's spirit and that you should let go of that because we're children and he's our father and he's given us a new area to grow in. And so, yeah, the proper response is repentance and humility. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.